Welcome to the Cal Current Podcast, presented by the Law Offices of Snell and Wilmer. This is a legal podcast that examines a variety of current legal issues that affect individuals and businesses here in California and beyond. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Faith Liboke, for this episode of Cal Current, and today we will discuss the taxation of cryptocurrency and similar transactions. Whether you're an investor expanding your portfolio to include digital assets such as cryptocurrencies and tokens, a business that uses cryptocurrencies to engage in everyday transactions, or a crypto miner, you need to keep in mind the tax implications of your activities. The purpose of this podcast is to provide you with a brief primer about the U.S. federal income tax implications of transactions involving cryptocurrency and similar digital assets. First up, let's discuss buying and selling crypto for cash. Let's start with the basics. Whether you on your own or indirectly through a broker, let's assume you've done some preliminary research, opened up a digital wallet, funded your account with cash, and now you're ready to purchase one of the many types of digital assets available to you. Buying cryptocurrency with cash is not a taxable event. It is generally treated the same as if you purchased a widget or other type of property, such as a stock or a bond for cash. In fact, the similarity of cryptocurrency and property is important, and you should keep that in mind throughout this podcast. Because for income tax purposes, the IRS treats cryptocurrency the same as it treats property. This is called the property rule. For example, when you purchase cryptocurrency or any property for cash, your tax basis in the cryptocurrency or other property that you've acquired is the amount of cash that you've paid. Consistent with the property rule, selling cryptocurrency for cash is a taxable event and is generally treated the same as if you just sold a widget or other type of property for cash. Just like any other sale of property, you calculate your gain or loss as the difference between the amount of cash received in the sale and your tax basis in the property sold. Now let's try an example. Assume A, an individual, purchases cryptocurrency for $100 in cash. As a result, A's tax basis in the cryptocurrency is $100. Later, A sells the cryptocurrency for $110 in cash. As a result, A's gain is $10. That is... $110 of the sales price less A's $100 tax basis for a $10 gain. Whether that $10 of gain is treated as ordinary income, short-term capital gain, or long-term capital gain depends on A's particular facts and circumstances. For example, if the cryptocurrency was purchased and held as an investment that is a capital asset, then the gain from its sale would be a capital gain. It'll either be subject to a long-term capital gains rate at 20%, which happens if it was held for at least a year, or a short-term capital gains rate, which is currently the same as ordinary income tax rates, if the asset was held for less than a year. If, alternatively, the cryptocurrency was not held as a capital asset for personal use or as an asset used in a trader business, but was instead held as inventory, then the gain from its sale would be subject to ordinary income tax rates. Moving on to our next topic, buying property with crypto. Let's start with an example. Assume A purchases cryptocurrency for $100 of cash and, as a result, has a $100 tax basis in the cryptocurrency. Later, A desires to purchase other property that has a fair market value of $110. A transfers cryptocurrency in exchange for A's acquisition of that property. As a result, A's gain is again $10. That is $110, the value of the property received, less $100, the tax basis of the cryptocurrency transferred. This example is similar to our earlier example, with the only difference being that instead of receiving $110 in cash, A receives $110 in the form of property. 
Nevertheless, A's gain in this example is exactly the same as A's gain in the first example. Worth noting is that A's basis in the property is $110, calculated as the sum of A's $100 basis in the cryptocurrency plus the $10 gain that A recognizes in the second example. Viewed in this light, and keeping in mind the property rule that we discussed earlier, you can see how, for A, any barter exchange is actually simultaneously a sale, that is, A selling the cryptocurrency, and an acquisition, that is, A acquiring the property. This principle applies whenever you use cryptocurrency to purchase any goods, or, as we'll talk about later, services. The critical point to keep in mind is this. If your cryptocurrency increases in value between the time you first obtain it and the time you use it to acquire something with it, whether it be goods or services, then you will have gain on the acquisition, which is measured by your tax basis in the cryptocurrency transferred and the value for which you receive in exchange for that cryptocurrency. Although many people expect to owe taxes when they sell something, as the use of cryptocurrencies becomes more mainstream, there is a concern that many people will be surprised to learn that they may owe taxes when they use their cryptocurrency to purchase other goods or services. The property rule that we've been discussing has significant implications for investors and traders in digital assets because any exchange of one type of digital asset for another type of digital asset can be a fully taxable event. For example, if you own crypto A, which is worth $110, then exchange that for crypto B, which is also worth $110, then this exchange is treated the same as the barter transaction illustrated earlier. That is, when applying the property rule to this transaction, the result is not at all surprising. When you transfer crypto A in exchange for the receipt of crypto B, then you have an income or gain to the extent that your tax basis and the crypto A transferred is less than the fair market value of the crypto B received. And for those investors who use cryptocurrency to purchase non-fungible tokens, commonly referred to as NFTs, the property rule similarly applies with the same results. Moving on to our third topic, paying for services with cryptocurrencies. The property rule applies whether you are using a cryptocurrency to pay for a service or you are receiving a cryptocurrency in exchange for the performance of a service. Let's try another example. Assume A purchases cryptocurrency for $100 in cash and, as a result, has a $100 tax basis in cryptocurrency. Later, A desires to pay B for the performance of services, let's say house painting, and the cost of those services is $110. Pursuant to the property rule, when A transfers cryptocurrency to B for B's performance of those services, here, the house painting, A has $10 of taxable gain. That is, the $110 value of the services rendered, the house painting, less is $100 tax basis in the cryptocurrency paid. When businesses are involved, things start to get more interesting. Assume A is not an individual, but is instead a business, that is A Inc. And assume further that the payment by A Inc of $110 to B gives rise to an ordinary and necessary business deduction for A Inc. That is for consulting services, software development, or something else. In this case, A Inc has both $10 of income or gain, such as we discussed with the house painting example, and a $110 deduction. If B is an independent contractor rather than an employee, then the payment must be reported on an IRS form 1099 based upon the fair market value of the cryptocurrency at the time of payment. Another iteration of our house painting example arises when the payment by A Inc. is to an employee and is therefore subject to employment and payroll tax withholdings. In such case, A Inc. should be careful to ensure that the aggregate payment is bifurcated between the portion that can be paid directly to B in cryptocurrency and the portion that needs to be remitted to the applicable government authorities in cash. 
Additionally, as with using an IRS Form 1099 to report payments to an independent contractor, the entire payment to the employee must be reported on an IRS Form W-2 based upon the fair market value of the cryptocurrency at the time of payment. For topic four, we'll discuss being paid in crypto for the sale of goods or the performance of services. Until now, this podcast is focused on the tax treatment of the party using cryptocurrency to pay for goods and services. As one would expect, the payee also needs to be aware of its own tax treatment. Whether selling goods or performing services, the payee or recipient of cryptocurrency recognizes income or gain in an amount equal to the fair market value of the cryptocurrency paid. And as with our prior discussions, the character of that income or gain depends on the facts and circumstances particular to that specific payee. If the payee is selling inventory or performing services, then the payee would recognize ordinary income. Whereas if the payee is selling personal use property, a capital asset, or property used in a trade or business, then the payee may have a capital gain or loss. For our fifth and penultimate topic, we'll discuss other crypto-related transactions. Other transactions resulting in the receipt of cryptocurrency will generally be subject to income tax to the recipient. For example, cryptocurrency received from mining, foraging, or staking, that is, as a reward, a share of the commissions, or as a transaction fee, would generate ordinary income and an amount equal to the fair market value of the cryptocurrency mined or received, which income would generally be subject to income and self-employment taxes. Furthermore, receiving cryptocurrency by airdropped, that is, a marketing giveaway by a business or a new token project, would also give rise to ordinary income. In each of these situations, a taxpayer should include as ordinary income the fair market value of the cryptocurrency received. And in each instance, the amount included as taxable ordinary income is then added to the taxpayer's basis of cryptocurrency received, thereby ensuring that the taxpayer does not pay tax on the same amount both at the time of receipt and again at the time of disposition. Gifts of cryptocurrency, whether to family members or charitable organizations, are becoming more common, and in these instances, the property rule continues to be a helpful reference. Generally, the contribution of a long-term capital gain asset, that is, cryptocurrency held for more than a year as an investment, will give rise to a charitable deduction in an amount equal to the fair market value of the asset at the time of the donation. In other situations, the amount of the charitable deduction may be limited to the donor's tax basis and the asset donated. Although easily and widely traded, many cryptocurrencies do not currently fit within the definition of a publicly traded security. In the context of charitable donations, this means that in order to take a charitable deduction of more than $500, the donor will need to comply with various record-keeping and substantiation requirements, and donations of more than $5,000 may require a qualified appraisal. Now that we've discussed buying and selling crypto for cash, buying property with crypto, paying for services with crypto, being paid crypto for the sale of goods or performance of services, and other crypto-related transactions, I'm sure you're ready for our sixth and final topic that is reporting, record-keeping, and losses. After everything we've discussed, it's critical for taxpayers to maintain adequate records relating to the value of their cryptocurrencies at the time of receipt and disposition, which information, in turn, allows taxpayers to calculate their tax basis, amount realized, and resulting tax consequences. While we have largely focused on income and gain, it is quite possible to dispose of cryptocurrency after it has decreased in value, thereby giving rise to a loss. The ability to use capital losses are complex, but generally speaking, short-term capital losses can offset short-term capital gains, whether from cryptocurrency transactions or otherwise, and long-term capital losses can offset long-term capital gains, and unused losses may be carried forward to subsequent years. 
Some cryptocurrency platforms may generate information returns, such as IRS Form 1099-B, which contains information intended to help taxpayers calculate their gains and losses in a given year. When a taxpayer purchases the same cryptocurrency in tranches at different prices over time and later disposes of that cryptocurrency, a question arises as to which cryptocurrency is being sold, the answer to which will determine the taxpayer's tax treatment on the sale. Let's try another example. Going back to our old friend A, assume A purchases one crypto coin on January 1st, year one for $100 and one crypto coin on January 1st, year two for $600. Assume further that on June 1st, year two, A sells one crypto coin for $300. If A had the ability to cherry pick which crypto coin it sold and A reported the transaction as a sale of the crypto coin purchased in year one, then A would recognize a $200 long-term capital gain, that is A's $300 proceeds from the sale of the coin, less A's $100 basis in the coin. But if A reported the transaction as a sale of the crypto coin purchased in year two, then A would recognize a $300 short-term capital loss, that is the $300 sales price of the coin, less A's $600 basis in the coin. Although a taxpayer may want to cherry pick to control the tax implications of its sale, Unless the taxpayer is able to specifically identify which cryptocurrency it is selling, it would be prudent for the taxpayer to follow the IRS's FIFO method of accounting, that is, first in, first out, which is generally applicable to the sale of stocks. If a taxpayer is able to distinguish between the cryptocurrencies held, for example, Bitcoin versus Ethereum, or if the taxpayer held the same cryptocurrency in different digital wallets, then the taxpayer may be able to specifically identify which cryptocurrencies it was selling. The burden of proper reporting and record keeping can be heavy, but a growing number of vendors are deploying software service products to assist traders and investors in generating the necessary reporting and record keeping information. To wrap things up, it's important to recognize that cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and other digital assets are highly volatile, comparatively speculative, and for many, difficult to understand. As the industry is still young, with many questions unanswered and some having yet to be asked, Tax authorities will continue to publish guidance clarifying the tax implications of these transactions, and taxpayers undoubtedly will do their best to comply. Most recently, in an effort to encourage global tax transparency relating to cryptocurrency transactions, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, commonly known as the OECD, released a framework for the reporting and exchanging of information within and among countries around the world relating to the cryptocurrency transactions and their tax treatment. With a similar goal in mind, President Biden recently released an executive order requesting a report from the Secretary of the Treasury addressing the future of digital assets and its implications on the U.S. financial system. Regardless of whether the cryptocurrency and related digital asset markets are temporary and fleeting or here to stay, the rules relating to the taxation of transactions involving these assets cannot be ignored. We've come to the end of this episode of CalCurrent. I'm your host, Faith Liveoak, and I appreciate your time. If you have any questions about the topic covered in today's episode, consult with your legal counsel or counsel of your choosing. Thank you for listening to CalCurrent, a podcast navigating California's legal landscape, brought to you by the law offices of Snell and Wilmer. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss? Please feel free to send us your topics to calcurrent at swlaw.com. Be sure to check out our website for more episodes and information about this podcast. We can also be found on all major social media platforms at SW Law News. Thank you and until next time.